This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Christian Credit Counselors. If you're struggling with credit card debt but don't know where to start, our trusted partner, Christian Credit Counselors, offers a debt management program that can get you out of credit card debt 80% faster while honoring your debt in full. Contact them to get out of debt today at ChristianCreditCounselors.org. Every year, the IRS collects about $4 trillion in taxes and gives out more than $1 trillion in refunds. That's a lot of money changing hands. Hi, I'm Rob West, and whenever there's a lot of cash to be had, well, that's when scam artists come out of the woodwork. And this tax season is no different. Today, I'll tell you what they're up to so you don't get taken. Then it's on to your calls at 800 525 7000 This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Romans 13.1 is a good reminder of how Christians should deal with civil authority. It reads, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. And, of course, being subject to includes paying taxes. We should always pay what we rightly owe, and we should rightly expect a refund when we've paid too much. Unfortunately, scammers don't see it that way and are always on the lookout for ways to separate you from your money at tax time. The easiest way to do that is with tax refund fraud. If scam artists get a hold of your Social Security number, they can file a false tax return and get your refund. Actually, they often get more than a legitimate refund by claiming low income and a lot of deductions. Later, when you file, the IRS kicks back your return and you're left with a mess to sort out. You can avoid this by getting an identity protection pin from the IRS before filing. It's a six-digit number to verify your identity that only you and the IRS know. You can sign up for a tax pin number at irs.gov. Another way con artists are using the tax system to defraud people is with fake charity scams. They set up fraudulent charities that lure good-hearted people into making donations. Donors may think they can claim those contributions on their tax returns, but when the IRS discovers a charity is fake, it could set you up for an audit. To prevent this, it's always a good idea to thoroughly check out any nonprofit organization you're thinking about donating to. The Bible tells us we're to be wise as serpents. The IRS has set up a tax-exempt organization search tool so you can check out legitimate charities. You can find that at irs.gov as well. You can also find legitimate charities at charitynavigator.org, ministrywatch.com, and with the National Christian Foundation at ncfgiving.com. Another way scam artists can get you at tax time is with so-called ghost tax preparers. If that sounds scary, it should. This is when a scammer claims to be a legitimate tax professional. They usually make extravagant claims about how they can get you a big refund, and people fall for it. They may file a fraudulent return and have the refund check go to them instead of the taxpayer, or they'll just charge a big fee up front. Either way, they'll disappear and the taxpayer is left with a mess. 
Here's how you can spot a ghost tax preparer. First, they won't sign the return or include a preparer tax identification number. That, by the way, is against the law. They may also ask for a payment without providing a receipt. They often will also falsify income to get more tax credits or claim phony deductions to get a bigger refund. They'll also sign up to have that refund direct deposited to their bank instead of the taxpayers. The IRS has set up a database where you can check to see if anyone claiming to be a legitimate tax preparer is on the up and up. Again, go to irs.gov and look for the enrolled agent search tool. The IRS also says you should carefully look over your return once your preparer has completed it. If you have questions, by all means, ask them and make sure you verify the routing and bank account numbers on the return to make sure any refund will actually get to you. You also have to be on the alert for IRS phone scams. These come in all varieties. For example, you may get a call about a tax bill you knew nothing about. The caller claims to be an IRS agent and warns that you'll be arrested or your Social Security benefits will be suspended if you don't pay immediately. These scam artists can even change their caller ID to say IRS, and they may even have all or just the last four digits of your social security number, all to make the scam look legitimate. But don't be fooled. The IRS will never contact you by phone. If you get a call like that, just hang up. Keep in mind, they will contact you by mail first in every situation. So those are your tax scams to watch out for this year. Your calls are next. 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and stick around. Are you searching for a way to become a better, faithful steward of the resources that God has given you? Well, download the FaithFi app and join the 37,000 others who are already using our app. The FaithFi app will provide you with wisdom, community, and simply help you stay on track with your finances. We have three money management options to choose from, so find an option that fits your unique needs. It's available on desktop or mobile. Simply go to faithfi.com and click app to get started. My name is Kent, and I'm a member of Christian Healthcare Ministries. I have a friend who actually has great insurance, and she recently had a a life-threatening experience. And she was laying in the hospital bed afraid, not afraid for her life, but afraid of what her insurance would or would not cover. And as a CHM member, I can honestly say I just never have that fear. I can't tell you the, the peace of mind that provides. Learn more about Christian Healthcare Ministries' biblical cost sharing at chministries.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls and questions. Lines are open. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. We've got some lines open. We'd love to hear from you. Let's start in Florida. Uh, Tabitha, thank you for calling. Go ahead. Yes, I'm a 45-year-old woman. I'm a chef. Uh, Right now I'm on disability because I got injured a couple of years ago. And long story short, um, so that's how I live off of that. And I'm married, and my husband works. And after the pandemic, I purchased a life policy along with slash retirement. So basically, it's a $300,000 policy, and I'm paying about $150 a month into it. So they said by the time I'm 62, if I want to cash out 
$70,000, it doesn't affect the 300 on my life insurance policy because of what I've been paying in being the age of 40. Well, when I purchased it, it I was 43. So now I'm 45. So they yeah. said by the time I'm 62, I can cash out 70,000. Is that yeah. a good investment I did for myself being that now I'm a homemaker and, you know, I have a two year old now I'm starting all over again. And yeah. I don't know if it's a good move I, I'm doing as in, cause you know, I'm getting older cause you know, like the what if, Yes. And right now, I'm just basically living off my SSDI. Yeah. Okay. Very good. <clears throat> yeah. You know, I'm not a big fan of doing your investing, your long-term savings inside of an insurance product, Tabitha. So I'd rather you say, okay, how much life insurance do you need? And that is the amount to cover your life if the Lord were to call you home, because now your income goes away, which is in part supporting the family. And if you have young children at home, and he's obviously going to have to continue to work to pay the bills and provide for the family, now he's going to have to have some assistance there, and that could be costly. So the first question is how much life insurance is really needed? Um, and that would be a multiple of your income that would need to be replaced, usually 10 to 12 times that amount, uh, plus whatever added you know burden may be placed on the family through child care. The same would be true for him if the Lord were to call him home, uh, 10 to 12 times his income at a minimum would be needed payable to you as the beneficiary so that you could live off of that amount of money and, you know, provide for your family with him gone and you still caring for the kids. So uh, that would be the starting point and the, the most cost-effective way to get that type of coverage at the least expense is through term insurance. So you'd probably want to get a 20-year policy at a minimum. That would take you through age 65. You could even look at a 30-year policy, but that's going to keep that cost as low as possible and ensure that you have enough death benefit to cover your family. Well, what about long-term savings? Well, we do that through company-sponsored retirement plans, IRAs, things like that, not insurance products, in my view. You all still have plenty of time on your side, so I'd rather see him, you know, putting 10 to 15% in his company-sponsored plan and maybe you and he funding some Roth IRAs. And between the two of those and the investments that would compound for the next couple of decades, I'd much rather see you do that than try to, you know, invest through an insurance policy. Does that make sense, though? Yes, I'm reading on it right now. And it's saying when I reach 62, I don't have to pay the payments anymore. And I'll have that $300,000 policy for life insurance till the day I pass away when the, when the Lord calls me. Yeah, but that's probably going to eat away at your your cash value so that you're going to stop paying and the way they're going to fund that death benefit is by that cash value declining uh, over time. And I think you could do much better if you were to take that same amount, pay for the term life insurance to get the coverage you need on your life and his, and then redirect the rest into a mutual fund that would just grow for the you know rest of your working lives. And then you could have that to fund your income uh, plus social security. And if you needed to get access to the, the principal, you'd have that as well. That just tends to be a better performer over the long haul as opposed to taking, you know, what the insurance company might give you after all of their fees and expenses. Well, it's called a term life life insurance. That's what they sold me. So what is that? 
then. Yeah, I, I would need to have somebody look at that. I mean, term life, see, this. what you're describing is whole life, meaning that you, you said you have this death benefit for the rest of your life until you go home to be with the Lord. That's not term insurance. Term insurance is just pure insurance. There's no savings component in it. There's no cash value that builds up. You're just paying the death cost of the death benefit. It's called the mortality expense, and and that alone. And it's for a period of time, and at that point, it gets very expensive, so you drop it and you either replace it with another term policy or you get to the point where you no longer need it because you've been saving during your working life and now you don't need the death benefit. So I would have somebody take a look at that, but that doesn't sound like term insurance. That sounds like whole life insurance. And that's not my favorite approach for you all to save for the long haul. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So you're saying I should invest basically in an IRA wrap. Yes, uh, and if you can't, you know, that's going to allow you to put 6500 a year. Your husband could put 6500 a year. That's 13000 between the two of you. And in order to get up to 10 to 15% of your total household income, he's probably going to have to contribute to a retirement plan at work on top of that. That plus the term life insurance for your death benefit only is, I think, the better approach. Uh, to Illinois, hey, Eric, thanks for calling. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, hi. My wife and I are cleaning out our drawers, and we have tax returns and backup documents going back 35 years. Do we yeah. need to keep all of that, or is there a rule that says we can keep less? Yes. Uh, it's a great question. It hasn't been asked in a while. Most tax professionals, Eric, uh, will tell you uh, that you need to keep your returns and related documents for seven years because that's how long the IRS will look back. So it's something like a statute of limitations. However, there is no statute of limitations if the IRS suspects you evaded paying taxes. You would never do that. So seven years should be plenty. And I'd keep them in a fireproof safe or somewhere uh, safe electronic. Thanks for calling to Cleveland. Hey, Diane, how can I help you? Yes, uh, I have $50,000 that I got from my mother's passing. Um, My son wants me to put it in an online bank to get higher interest or a CD. Um, I don't really want to invest it because I don't want to lose any money. I'm 67. What would you suggest? Yeah, I like that option. Uh, high yield savings right now is paying about 3.3%. Uh, you can get for a 15 month CD over four and a half percent, maybe four and three quarters. Either of those would be great. They're all FDIC insured. So you've got the backing of the U.S. government. Uh, I'd go to bankrate.com to find who has the best options. If you want some suggestions, I'd throw out three names for you, Diane. Ally Bank. Marcus, M-A-R-C-U-S, or Capital One 360. I'm completely fine with online banks. Uh, these are FDIC insured. These are large institutions. Um, you know, you're not going to put your money at risk, but you're going to not, you're not going to have any fees and you're going to get much higher interest rates by using an online bank. I hope that helps you. God bless you. And we're going to finish in Ohio. Craig, what can I do for you, sir? Uh, yes, I was wondering about uh, putting some money into uh, coins that called uh, gold coins it's american gold reserve it's called if you've ever heard of them yeah, I like gold right now. I'd be at the upper end of my range, which is usually 5 to 10% of uh, our investable assets. I think there's a place for coins, so I don't have any problem with that. I just wouldn't go crazy with it and be really highly concentrated there. And gold coins are best if you can buy them and hold them for a long, long time. Don't be looking to buy and sell because uh, you're going to have a markup on the buy and the sell. But I think that's a great option, Craig. I'm fully supportive. Thanks for your call. We'll be right back on Facebook. 
faith and finance. So don't go away. What's most important to you when it comes to choosing your financial advisor? Someone who's aligned with your biblical values? How about someone who will take the time to explain your options? Certified Kingdom Advisors are professionals who meet high standards in competence and integrity and have been trained to offer biblical financial advice. To find a Certified Kingdom Advisor in your area, visit faithfi.com and click Find a CKA. Do you feel like your hands are tied with debt, preventing you from serving God? If you have credit card debt, Christian credit counselors can help. Through our debt management program, we can get you out of credit card debt about 80% faster while honoring your debt in full. For more information on how Christian credit counselors can help, visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. That's ChristianCreditCounselors.org. Or call 800-557-1985. 800-557-1985. Welcome back. You know, we have an amazing team here at Faith and Finance, and one of those team members is the amazing Amy Rios. And Amy said, Rob, it's time for a lightning round, which just means we answer as many questions as we can in one segment of the broadcast. So let's dive right in. Cleveland, Ohio. Linda, you're back with us. How can I help? I have Ohio Deferred Compensation account that is losing money. And I was thinking to put it somewhere where it can be safe and accrue interest. Yeah. 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 The, the challenge is, uh, how, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking Linda. 64. Okay. So I would probably roll this out to an IRA and then you could do anything you want with it. The challenge is that, you know, the market will come back and, you know, if you take this money out, it's all going to be taxable. If you leave it there, we can actually do something with it. Now, if you're just done and you're like, listen, I just don't, can't stand to lose another penny. Absolutely. You can, as the steward, move it to something more stable, you know, money market or CDs or whatever you wanted to do. And you could leave it inside that tax deferred environment by rolling it to an IRA. You can be as conservative as you want at that point. So I think that's probably your next move. I would just give some thought to, can I be patient on this and still take a long-term view? Or if not, I'm ready to go, then you know you can go ahead and make that change. No problem. We appreciate you calling. To Florida, hi, Kim. How can I help you? Um, just happy to be on the show. Um, Thank you. So I'm from Miami. So God has been putting on my heart for a, a few years now to establish a budget for our family. We're like a Newlywed, five years in, three kids nice. now, and um, the finances are not great. And I'm not sure where to start with the budget. Yeah, yeah. Well, the key, Kim, to all budgeting, first of all, it's critical, whether you're a multi-million dollar company or a brand new family just starting out, you need a budget, a plan, give every dollar a name. And the bottom line is it can't total up to more than 100%. It can't total 110% because if it does, then we're going to incur something called debt. So we've got to live below our means and we've got to be realistic about what it takes to do that uh, because we ultimately want to live on less than we're bringing in. So we have something called margin 
margin, which is that excess at the end of the month. Studies say that's what's going to keep you and your husband communicating really well about money. Having that margin is key to avoiding marital conflict around money. But most importantly, it's going to help you fund your goals. So uh, it's really critical that you have this spending plan of the budget. The starting place could be very basic. Just get a proper accounting of everything you all are spending every month, the things you get a bill for and the things you don't, which means you may have to carry a little journal around with you and, you know, jot down everything you're spending that doesn't offer a bill. But, you know, you're stopping at a coffee shop or you're picking up, a you know, some new clothes or you're taking the family out to dinner or, you know, soccer dues. If you've got a little soccer player or something like that, you got to get it all in there. Even those non-recurring things like a semi-annual HOA payment or quarterly, you know, car insurance payment. And once you have it all, now we can go to work and say, do we need to cut back? Which expenses do we need to eliminate? Uh, now, you could use the old tried and true envelope system where you literally, for your discretionary items, fund envelopes with cash, or you could use a modern expression of that, like our FaithFi app. But the bottom line is, you're right on, you got to do it, and it starts with you figuring out where are we at today, are we happy with that? Does it give us the margin to fund our goals? Are we living a lifestyle that we feel like God has called us to? Do we need to dial it back or are we okay? And then once the budget is established and it balances and it reflects what's truly most important to you, then you need a system to control the flow of money in and out on a monthly basis. And that's either going to be a mechanical system like the envelope system or kind of a, a smartphone, more digital approach, which is the FaithFi app. But give me what questions you have. Okay. So I've attempted to put together that list of all the com- things that comes in and comes out, and we're okay. like over 120% of what we make. However, okay. not however, so my husband and I have completely different like spending habits. Yeah. So for him, yeah. it's just easy to start a line of credit. Okay, we're going to balance this off with more credit, more credit. No. And it's a sensitive topic for him. So it becomes yeah. challenging for me to like, hey, let's sit down. Let's do a budget. Let's kind of dial down here. Let's stop taking on more debt. So I'm not yeah. sure. So for, for me, I feel like I'm now passive with it. I'm just like, you know what? As long as we make it through the week. However, yeah. I feel like it's just building up tension. If we don't address it, we're setting yeah. ourselves up for like major issues. Yeah. Well, I totally get it. And in what you're expressing here, uh, Kim, is not uncommon, uh, but it's it's significant and it's serious. And you guys have to get this on the right track for the sake of your marriage and your financial health moving forward. Here's what I'd like for you to do. Number one, make this a matter of prayer. Start praying that the Lord would just open his eyes to not the fact that you're right and he's wrong, but just the fact that God wants unity for your marriage, including in your finances. So start praying that God would really help you all come together in this area. Second, I think you need to step back and have what might be a hard conversation, but just say, I think we need to forget the budget for a second and talk about our values. What's most important for us? What do we want to be known for as a family? The ability to be generous, the ability to manage God's money wisely, the ability to live on less than we earn, the ability to give and uh, you know accomplish the goals that we have, save for the future and put our kids through college. What are those values that are most important to us? And then how can the budget be constructed to reflect those values 
but also give each of us kind of something that allows us to express who we are. So maybe there's a portion of the budget that he gets to do whatever he wants with, and the same for you. And so now you have a plan that reflects your values. You each have an expression in that, but now it becomes an instrument of peace. It's actually freeing when you have the budget, not limiting because you know you're working toward God's best for you, and you've thought through it and prayed through it, and it truly reflects your values. And certainly, he doesn't want to be incurring debt. That's just leading down a road of destruction, but he probably doesn't know how to get there. It may be hard, and you may need some a third party to help. Uh, let me send you a book, Money and Marriage, God's Way, that I think might be uh, something that could help you all move forward. Maybe you could read through it together. And again, this isn't about you finger-pointing, but it's about you all leaning in together and say, we've got to do this for ourselves, for our marriage, for our family, uh, because we're stewards of God's resources. So stay on the line. I'm going to give you a six-month subscription to the MoneyWise, or excuse me, the FaithFi app. Our team will help you set it up. And I want to give you a, a book called Money and Marriage God's Way. I think it'll be an encouragement to you. Please check back in with us and we'll be praying for you and your husband. Well, that's all our time for today. But before we go, I want to say thanks for spending time with us today. Thanks for your calls. Thank you for listening. And thanks for being a faithful supporter of this ministry. You know, beyond the broadcast, we have an entire team of contributors and web designers and media producers working each day to produce tools and content to help you become a better biblical money manager. And none of that work would be possible without your financial support. We offer a lot of it for free, and that's only because of the generous gifts from listeners like you. If you're not yet one of our financial partners but would like to be, would you visit our new website, faithfi.com? That's faithfi.com. Then click the Give button to sign up, and we'd certainly be grateful. In the meantime, please set a reminder on your phone and make plans to join us again next time. I'll be here, and I hope you will be too, for the next edition of Faith and Finance. We'll see you. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.